Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levine, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer. I have never seen Doctor Who until starting this podcast, and now every week I sit down and I marvel at why I question life choices that led me to not having seen it until now and regret not having more time with the Doctor because, oh boy, this series is so good. And this week we are talking about Turn Left, which happens to be episode 11 from series four. And I needed, I, I need some help in this one. This, this one got me. This one, I'm sure, has things that I missed. And so to help get me there, I asked for the assistance of the most knowledgeable, the most senior of all of my Time Lord experts, and that would be John Sobel. Thank you once again for having me. This I love this episode. Uh, I keep saying every time we've this like the third time we've done this season. I keep saying this is my favorite season. This is probably my favorite episode in the season. In the season, yes. So I it, love this. It seems season series. like every <laughs> episode this season sort of builds on itself, and. You know, it started out just seemingly very, you know, like it, it, it was a very innocent romp through London with partners in crime. And then, you know, the, the, the getting to see the exploration once again with a new companion. And, uh, you know, we got a little bit of uh, interesting development with this new companion in uh in Donna, in you know, the fires of Pompeii, and then uh, we really got to see her uh, affectation and sentimentality in Planet of the Ood, uh, and then yes. we get you know the Centaurum stratagem, and really, like everything, just keeps building on top of itself, and you know, by the time we get to here. I, I I'm at a loss of words. Uh, last week's episode caught me completely unprepared. Uh, I think the only episode this series that I was somewhat ready for and thought I knew what was coming was the unicorn and the wasp because it was very expected yet unexpected. Another episode you and I talked about. Right. And then that one happened to base itself on some history. So, right. And you had to see somewhere where it was going. Absolutely. And then we got to here and I just, I, I, I couldn't last week's episode midnight. I mean, I, I talked about how silence in the library and forest of the dead required me to watch the episode multiple times because it just seemed jam packed with information that will mean something down the road and then midnight happens last week and while i understood the overall tone and mood of the episode i was not prepared for how deep that episode burrowed itself after podcasting it stayed in my head i kept thinking about it it kept coming up in just everyday thought and i just sat down moments before the podcast to watch turn left and oh my gosh, <laughs> I so dear listener, if you haven't already, uh, perfect time to pause the podcast, go watch Turn Left. Please do yourself that favor. Uh, this is uh, such a good episode, you're not going to regret it, uh, right? So, we are going to right. spoil it, and we, uh, we have to. It's <laughs> unfortunately, there's too much going on in this episode that we will unfortunately spoil it. Uh, but I want to go back to the beginning of the season and when that dome came down over London and Penny, the doctor's companion, but he didn't know her at the time, mm -hmm. met the doctor for the first time. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That was the plan mm. before Catherine Tate decided to come back. Mm. So that tells you how Russell T. Davies had these things planned out so far in advance that he had this episode, which is episode 11, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Episode, episode 11. 11 already planned out, written out. And then Catherine Tate said, I want to come back and do a full season. 
and everything got scrapped. And he actually loved it because now we're looking back at not just what the doctor did for one year, mm-hmm. but actually go back and see everything for two years, for more than two years. For more, Yeah, a little over two years. A little over two years of what the doctor has done and where we have talked about this and does the doctor cause or does he save? And mm-hmm. now we're actually seeing, does the doctor cause or does he save? Well, I, in a grand scale, he he does both. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, the which I so starting from the beginning, uh, we 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 see Donna doing her thing again, exploring a planet, being herself, and she gets suckered into this. Uh, like palm reading in whatever planet they're in and no good future, right? No good can ever come from that. It's, you know, in last episode, last week's episode, the doctor flat out calls it. It's like, what could possibly go wrong? Tempting all the gods. And here, you know, it's like what you're in a time machine. What could you, what good could possibly come from you getting this reading? And it plunges her into this, moment that very much reminds me of um a movie that my wife loves and i hate uh which is sliding doors Mm -hmm. Uh, and the idea that you know there are two alternate lives uh living and it, it just all depends on that one moment that one decision that you make right there's a couple of movies that that do that uh, thing. And there's another one with Nicholas Cage. I can't think of the name of it right now. Family it's very man. similar. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so I mean, yeah, so that's it, uh, very it similar. It is a trope too. that has been around, you know, it's basically the, it's a wonderful life. Uh, oh yeah. You know, story. It, what exactly. happens I, if the, if love, I was never yeah. around. <laughs> right. I do love the, uh, um, the, fortune teller saying oh you have red hair we give free readings for red hair (laughs) which is such a carnival thing because that's how they make money these fortune tellers make money is when they get people in to actually get a fortune told and then you pay them for their fortune right but no one ever wants to go in until they get the 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 pull and that's been used forever oh you have blonde hair we do free you know half off for, for, for for blonde hair oh free for redheads it's how it's tall are you five six ironically five six people don't pay oh yes exactly <laughs> come in and then oh wait oh <laughs> maybe you do have to pay me a little bit <laughs> <laughs> but you know so that it it sends it down that path and it's interesting because and we've talked about donna throughout the series in that she especially when she first appeared as the runaway bride she was very shrill. She was, you know, for some people, quite annoying. Um, I found her humorous uh, and not as grating, uh, maybe because I have the for, you know, the hindsight of being able to see that she was not going to be <laughs> around for a lot of other episodes at that moment. Um, yeah, we didn't have that pleasure when we saw it live. Right. Like a lot of people were like, uh, is this really going to be... But, you know, she she came on really strong. And then we don't see her. You know, doctor leaves her. She says, no, I don't want your lifestyle. And he moves on. And then w- when we do see her, you know, we see the, the changed Donna, the Donna that has seen what the doctor can offer and is now, you know, seeking that and, and looking for it. And, you know, I mentioned in that episode at the beginning of the series that the doctor seems to be like the easiest person to find if you have even a mild passing interest in him because, you know, the the group uh, from the uh, from last series, I think it was or no, it was from series two. two. Uh, Love and Monsters. It was Love and Monsters, yeah, where, you know, the this group gets together and somehow they, they're able to track them down and find them. And here's, you know, Donna by herself just tracks them down and finds them. 
Uh, but it showed, you know, well, even, the, even in blink, uh, she hadn't, uh, met the doctor, even though it was, hadn't happened yet for him. And she, they're just sitting in the shop and here he comes walking down the right, running down the street with a bow and arrow. I mean, just <laughs> right. Right. Like people seem to, you know, run across this guy quite a bit. Right. Um, which it leads to a moment in, in this episode that I found awkward, but you know, she she finds him and it, and she shows this changed side of herself, and you know, almost uh, almost like it was at the beginning with her first appearance, uh, she was exactly what the doctor needed. You know, the doctor needed a distraction after uh, Rose had been kind of lost to the alternate dimension, and then. That's what you know. She Donna provided for him, and then here he was lost. You know, uh, he's definitely changed for the better, thanks to Martha. And here's Donna offering exactly what he wanted, which was companionship and friendship. Right, and nothing more. Not like not looking to get interested, not looking to get into a romantic tiff. Just hi, I want somebody to hang out with. And, oh, look, you need somebody to hang out with. And I've enjoyed that dynamic so much, so much more than I thought I would. You know, I thought there'd be something missing if there was no romantic spark. Uh, And if anything, it's been even better because then she can be there for him when she needs to and she can help him and steer him in ways. And, And we see, really... And I mean, it's called out immediately, not immediately, but, uh, you know, upon the return of our original, uh, or I guess for me, original, not really original companion, uh, when she says, you are the most important woman in, you know, (laughs) in the galaxy because of what she provided for the doctor and what she did for the doctor in steering him through what turns out to be, you know, some pretty important events throughout both the, the, the earth, uh, but also the, the galaxy. Yes. And, and how dark he got after losing Rose, uh, and that she pulled him out of that and was able to, uh, and then Martha, you know, finished the job, Mm -hmm. uh, to pulling him out and making him the, the happy-go-lucky, let's bounce around the world and, and, and see what happens. Well, and we even talked about it in the uh, in that Christmas episode that, you know, he went really dark and Donna shakes him out of it. She's like, let's go. Let's get out of here. And all of a sudden that becomes an integral part of the plot here in that without Donna, he never leaves that location and he ends up being drowned. Yes, and... Um, I mean, but at the end of that episode, had he not, I mean, not going to this episode, back to the, you know, he was so excited to have a companion again that he made it snow for her just, you know, with the, mm-hmm. through the TARDIS, just something, this is what I can do. And she just was, I'm, I'm not ready for that life again. So when she finally was, and then she hunted him down and found him, it just made such a perfect pair. And again, going back to when this was first on the air, I did not like Donna from the Christmas episode. Sure. Um, I, she, again, she was shrill. I did not know anything about uh, the actress when, when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not from Britain, so I didn't know anything. So when she came back and Partners in Crime and then Fires of Pompeii and then Planet of the Ud, and you go boom, 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 and you get all these levels of her really quick in the first three episodes. Uh, she just grows on you so much. And I, you know, I, I love her for that again, favorite season. Well, and you know, I, <laughs> I feel like almost a broken record, but she brought out the best side of the doctor. I, I feel like while he was super fun and the Eccleson, uh, regeneration. Uh, and then he's been, you know, very outgoing, uh, and sometimes, uh, a little, you know, prone to darkness, uh, in the 10th regeneration. 
you know, with Rose, there was all of that pent up, you know, will will they, won't they. And with Martha, it was a similar scenario, but with a more mature woman. And so going into Donna, I had all these expectations that quickly got dispelled. And I, to me, I, I find her to be the most, one of the most satisfying companions so far. Uh, not that I don't love Rose or certainly Martha. I mean, I loved Martha, but I was not expecting to find Donna such a uh, a worthy companion to the Doctor uh, and really leading the Doctor to be the best version of himself, uh, including, you know, her response and reaction to the the events of midnight. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it's just amazing to me. It is. It's so much fun. So, I mean, let's, okay. We, I think we've opined <laughs> enough. So yes, going, uh, going so, in here, like it's basically like a greatest hits of what would happen if the doctor was not around or what would happen if the doctor perished uh, at the bottom of that uh, uh, unit Thames. bunker? Right. Uh, underneath the Thames. <laughs> underneath the Thames. And it, basically the fallout that goes with the, you know, that one event leads to, you know, the, the river being drained. So people being stuck on one side or the other. Uh, which I right. found, you know, an interesting idea, and then how that leads to then the um, uh, the the Christmas star, uh, and well, how, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, but that got that was um, I mean that was part of that was the the Christmas star was part of that whole thing where the, you know, the that was uh, the lucky part of uh, that the doctor didn't destroy the villain at that time, but it was actually the, the military mm-hmm. using, using tanks to blow the star out of the sky. Uh, but it was fun to watch now going back to the beginning of the episode where the fortune teller is trying to get Donna to make that change. Mm-hmm. And as she's doing it, that beetle is crawling along the ground and then up and attaches itself to her back. Uh, and we find out later on it's from the trickster, Brigade, trickster brigade, um, to, uh, change life and try to, you know, up, create an alternate universe, uh, where the doctor obviously survived because she didn't turn left and go to work for, uh, Clements that she turned right and mm-hmm. work for this printer company. Um, and said the, that her mother knew. Uh, so then they're out to out for drinks and this Christmas star is shooting the electricity and her friend is just staring at her back. And she's like, what are you looking at? And it's the, the phrase, there's something on your back, which mm-hmm. again, we heard in fires of Pompeii, there's something on your back. So it's real interesting that there is some people uh, that are in this alternate universe who can see what's not there. It's like seeing a ghost out of the corner of your eye or something mm-hmm. of that nature. They can see something, but it's not really there. Or it is. In, in or it case. is. Just out of flux. Right. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it's it's great to see the sort of the de-evolution of humanity as the world plunges ever deeper into one catastrophic event after the other. Uh, because, again, without the doctor the the replica of titanic the space titanic uh is allowed to freely crash and completely take out most of london uh, right well so, even before that the hospital uh, right. being taken to the moon uh killing everyone including um martha, uh, uh, martha as well as um uh sarah jane and her son and a couple of friends who are in another. And when you, you see, if you watch the Sarah Jane adventures, you see them in that. So that like wipes out that whole show mm-hmm. in one, in one fell swoop. And yeah. Which to, I, I appreciated that little, I, I have not uh, delved too deep into the Sarah Jane Chronicles, but I appreciated that all of a sudden she was mentioned in the series of events that, you know, that, the doctor's death leads to, you know, the death of uh, Sarah and the death of Martha and the, the the fact that, you know, the hospital is returned. But what was almost about to transpire had the doctor not uh, interceded 
uh, does actually take place and they all die from uh, lack of oxygen. Right. Uh, and just watching how each one of these events uh, transpires while Donna is basically the worst version of herself. Because Donna exactly. is very much stuck in that Donna that she was as the runaway bride, where she is very self-centered, where she is, it, yeah, everything is all about her. And we see her in that universe start to become the Donna that we've come to know and love now only through the interactions with the, you know, unnamed Rose in her universe. Right. And, you know, the couple of times first she, she appears and says, you know, it's like, you know, you know, is that, um, is he dead or anything? And she's Donna for that, that point in her life where she's really sympathetic. And it's like, uh, well, it could have been any doctor who, who died. Uh, they mm-hmm. didn't say his name. And then by the time you're into the Christmas, um, uh, before the Titanic uh, incident, uh, where um, actually after the after the hospital comes back and Rose comes back a second time because Donna was fired, and uh, says, you know, you got a ticket for you know you're going to win mm-hmm. you're going to win something. Take a fam take your family out of London on Christmas. So again, you get a whole year goes along, and then they're away on Christmas. Luckily, to not be in in London when the Titanic hits Buckingham Palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Rose, you know, just keeps appearing, you know, time and time again, nudging her, and, uh, nudging her. But I love the fact that, you know, Donna is still not understanding it. But like, why are you always wearing the same clothes? Mm-hmm. And I love that because as a, when you're watching it, you're not necessarily realizing that she's time traveling, you know, these little bits and pieces all the way through. Um, in the same, you know, obviously in the same day, but clearly, you know, you know, companions tend to wear the same thing. It's like, it's mm-hmm. a, that's a TV trope, uh, you know, and it goes all the way back to the, you know, you know, Fred Flintstone, you know, sure. it's, it, the, mm-hmm. the, the actor wears the outfit. <laughs> so when you're just, when you see him wearing, when you see her wearing that purple jacket, well, she's just wearing that purple jacket again. You, know, you don't. You know, watch it. Then you catch it a second time and third time. It's like, oh, wait, maybe this is all happening for her mm-hmm. on the same day. And she's just trying to get there into until we can get her at the right moment where we can pull her in. And I I appreciated the, you know, it, this is how it, it sort of represented or manifested itself as I was watching it in that uh, without the doctor, Donna's fate seem to be destined to go down this road uh and it's like a river where your rose would pop up fade in uh quite literally fade in and kind of nudge rose you know down this gauntlet nudge donna uh, sorry (laughs) nudge donna down this gauntlet and push her out of the significant events until it's pretty much like okay i've done everything i can the next time you see me, you're you're gonna have to make this decision for yourself, but you're gonna die, right? You know, uh, and that's and that's how do you how do you uh, how can you you know react any you know expect anyone to say, okay, I'm ready to do whatever it is because I know I'm gonna die. That's a horrible thing to put on a person. Oh, and you know there. <laughs> It's been used in a lot of uh, fiction. It's been used in a lot of uh, religious text. You know, it's uh, the idea that uh, you've been marked for martyrdom. Martyrdom? That's a hard word to say. Uh, And, you know, accepting that and accepting your fate and accepting that ultimately what she does, which is... uh, there is a greater good to be served by my sacrifice. Uh, and coming to that decision, it's such a novel idea. It's a very common trope in, in fiction. And like I said, in, in religion, but the way it's presented to her at a moment in which like, you don't know why she doesn't, she doesn't know the doctor. She doesn't know why she never had the pleasure 
she just knows based on this this little nudging from a very convincing rose that it, it is the most important thing she will ever do. And right. by doing so, she will, in essence, save the world. And, of course, leave it to Donna to be like, hold on, you mean here, I die here, but I save everything so I survive, right? Right? Right, and then I'll, I'll uh, be unnamed we know Rose, mm-hmm. uh, just like, I'm so sorry. Boom. And it's gone. But yeah, but you, know, even before that, when they were doing the various things that somebody else had to try to help because the doctor wasn't around and you get the, uh, uh, Atmos, uh, uh, yeah, the Atmos, during uh, Ontarian, mm-hmm. uh, thing. And you learn that Torchwood, uh, was involved in that. So they were still around, even though the doctor had died, uh, Torchwood was still around. Although, um, that you lose uh, Ianto Jones and Gwen Cooper, and Captain Jack is uh, is taken prisoner by the Santarans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, you you know, it's another show that is part of the universe that you just mm-hmm. say, okay, well, we just got told it basically got reset, <laughs> right? So, but you, it was it's again, um, you know, I, I've always liked Torchwood. That's one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing where it fit into, uh, where all this stuff fit into the other, you know, when you're watching the shows, never watched Torchwood when it came out, I watched it much, much later. Uh, so trying to fit it into where it's supposed to be in the, in the same timeline with Dr. Who was always a little tricky at first, but uh, it's really interesting when you, when you can find where it goes. Yeah. When they intersect. But, uh, so Here's my first and possibly only question of the episode because it kind of answers a lot of itself. But Rose doesn't usually say things, especially towards the end of her uh, stay with the doctor. She doesn't say things unless she means them. So is she really seeing the end of Donna? Spoilers. (laughs) <laughs> there it is there it is yeah all right so moving on <laughs> yeah sorry yeah i just yeah there's well there, there's uh, yeah we've got a lot of episodes coming that i cannot wait for uh yes. so, <laughs> uh well that's good that 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 at least gets us there um the i did mention it earlier and uh here's where i double back there is a moment where the doctor is talking to Donna now that she's back. Uh, and she mentions, uh, you know, basically mentions how important uh, some moments are. Um, but, uh, and I think uh, you made a little bit of a comment too. There's some incongruencies because without Donna, the doctor wouldn't have necessarily been back on earth. Yeah, that was, it's the one thing that has annoyed me about this episode is the whole thing with the, um, and not the sun tower. My brain went dead for a second with the, uh, no, the spider. Yeah. The arachnos. With the arachnos, uh, with during the runaway, runaway bride, he has just given up the fact that he can never see Rose again, finds a, a star collapsing and uses the energy from a star collapsing to project himself through the barrier to the other side, just to say, I'm sorry. And, and this had to be, and I'm, I'm happy that you're safe. And then Donna, you know, so he's miserable. And then, Donna appears and then he has to go back to earth to take her back because what is this mystery? Why did an earth person appear in my TARDIS when I'm so far away from mm-hmm. anything? Um, and maybe cause because you see him flip a switch right before uh, she appears. So maybe when he flipped the switch, he was heading that direction, but there's no reason why he would be there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. at least that's how I see it. There's a million planets. There's a million places he could go. 
why was he heading back to Earth? He could go to another place and find someone, and that could be the companion. And, I mean, we, just we know that he has an affinity for for Earth, and he definitely seems to be bound uh, cosmically to Earth. Um, but there, there, there was that little bit of incongruency that kind of popped up as as I was watching it. Uh, but in all, you know, to sort of answer the question that was posed at the beginning by you, this episode kind of shows you that, uh, you know, very early, uh, in fact, I think it was the first episode of series one uh, of the relaunch of Doctor Who, that the the statement is made that the doctor is death, that the doctor brings death. Uh, Doctor's constant companion is death. So right. does this episode answer the question? And I think the answer is yes, it does answer it. And the answer is yes to both. He does bring death and he brings uh, sometimes uh, a whole lot of suffering. But at the same time, uh, and this is the the more important part of the two, while some of the immediate people that come into contact with the doctor end up perishing, he saves the vast majority of people. Right. You know, his his uh, adventures tend to be saving the planet or the world or the city for the greater good of everybody else. Right, and that's a uh, in the Titanic episode. That's a, a perfect thing. He's promised everyone they could be, you know, that he would save them. I'm the doctor. I'm 904 years old, and I will save you. And then, except for two mm-hmm. people or three people, uh, everyone else dies on that ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he couldn't save them, but as we see, he saved. 9 million, 10 million, however many million that were in London. Right. Uh, by not having it crash into Buckingham Palace, even though, according to Wilf in that episode, everyone had left. But obviously, did they leave or did they not leave? It was weird because the Christmas star still happened the, the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctor was still around for the, for the, uh, his regeneration episode where that was a Christmas episode. So, Again, things that were listed in episodes that maybe didn't quite fit, but well, even if uh, we're not necessarily Wilford mentions yeah. that most people left the whole of London, but there would have there would have still been significant carnage. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, and so you know, I like the idea that yes, there are consequences to being around the Doctor and to go adventuring through time and space. But at the same time, the doctor's overall goal is always, uh, and he's shown, especially the series, uh, he's shown that he's willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good, for the betterment of millions or thousands or hundreds of thousands, or, you know, in the case of this episode, seemingly the entire universe. Um, right. So there you know there is there is a message there that i think especially as we go through these uh tumultuous times in our own right uh you know it, it bears mentioning and repeating that it's not necessarily always about the self it is about the communal self the the whole of a society, not just the individuals. Uh, and I really, really appreciated that. Uh, and that sentimentality that gets brought up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's in just so, uh, amazing how you see how the group and whether it's the two of them or three, when Martha's there, um, or how, what they do and what they can do to uh, do so much more with the world than um, any, any of them could have done by themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So other than the bees, which do get mentioned in this episode, even though the world is going to heck, 
uh, there is still a discussion about how even the bees have all disappeared. Um, yes. What else? Uh, what else did I miss that is going to come back in these next two episodes? Um, the reason that Donna joined uh, at the end to join the unnamed traveler and said, "I'm ready." Uh, Wilf was looking through his uh, um, telescope, and they mm-hmm. noticed what the stars are going out which is not the first time that's happened we've talked about that Mm. or things have things have changed planets have moved stars are going out things are changing and we i know we talked about a couple planets not being right Mm -hmm. uh, in in the forest of the dead yes Um, yes yes so they mentioned that uh so that's uh, that's something that's important. Um, the fact that uh, Rose was never named mm-hmm. Rose, uh, but she was still uh, important enough to be in the in the beginning credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was there, and Billy Piper. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, so that's and- fun. Obviously, this is a Dr. Light episode, as uh, was talked about, so we can uh, get one more episode into the, into the season. Uh, so that was uh, good for that. Um, other than that, a lot of what is going on, what they've talked about, about how Donna created had an entire universe created around herself when the, when the time beetle attached it, it usually works differently. The way Donna, the way it happened to Donna, uh, was different than anybody ever had to experience. And of course, as this fortune teller said at the end, you are so strong. What are you? Mm. Um, that's important. Um, Ashley did mention some things that you got to remember what Ashley says, because everything that Ashley says is important. So let's, well, well we're talking about Ashley. Ashley yeah. today. Let's listen to the TARDIS tidbits for this week. This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for series four, episode 11, turn left. As I said last week, this episode was filmed in tandem with the previous episode, Midnight. Last week's episode being Companion Light, this one being Dr. Light. In the episode Fires of Pompeii earlier this season, Lucius Pextrus Dextrus tells Donna that she had something on her back, foreshadowing this episode. And having the time beetle attach itself to Donna's back was written as a nod to the final third Doctor story with John Pertwee, Planet of the Spiders, Part 6. In that episode, a giant spider attaches itself onto companion Sarah Jane Smith's back. Speaking about the scene where we see the doctor lying dead on the stretcher, in a special on the DVD, David Tennant said, I just want to know who played my hand in that scene with the stretcher, because it wasn't me. I read the script, and I never got called on set, and I'm going to study that hand, and if it doesn't look exactly like my hand, I'm going to have words. Russell T. Davies dropped a subplot he originally had where Donna got married and had children. He said he wanted to have it to add even more drama to Donna's decision where she would sacrifice herself because not only would she be giving up her own life, but her children would be erased from history. However, as you know, there was a similar plot earlier this season in Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead, and Davies agreed that Moffat's story needed that more than this one. You'd never know it, but Catherine Tate was actually sick with the flu during the production of this episode. Russell T. Davies has compared this episode to the movie Sliding Doors, and he said that it hoped it posed a question to the viewer. Does the doctor cause or prevent death? If you recognize that fortune teller, good on ya. She's played by Chippo Chung, who you previously saw in the Series 3 episode Utopia, playing the professor's assistant, Chantho. And our beloved Rose is back. Billy Piper herself admitted that she had forgotten how to play Rose because it had been so long, and she had to watch past episodes to remind herself. 
and Billy's return had actually been planned since January of 2006 when she was still filming series two. She promised to return eventually to give more life to Rose. And Russell T. Davies has said that hearing bad wolf is a warning sign for the doctor and Rose using it is an indication that the parallel universes that the Rose and the doctor are in are collapsing into each other. I wonder what will happen. Do you think the doctor and Rose will finally be reunited? Spoilers. Thank you so much, Ashley. Um, I did, we, we haven't mentioned it yet. So let's, go down this lot a little bit before bad wolf is back. Yes. Uh, the only, the, that's the only reference to Rose that we really get. She is unnamed through the whole episode. She gets asked multiple times what her name is. She doesn't say, and then she whispers, just tell him these two words. And I thought it was going to be Rose Tyler. So I was very surprised when she says bad wolf and then the doctor sees bad wolf everywhere. And the last time we saw that, it didn't end well for the Daleks. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, but that was it. It was very interesting that you uh, remember that. <laughs> mm. Awesome. Here we go again. Spoilers. There you go. <laughs> so what, what else? Uh, to you conclude know, the episode, point now, it's, just, it's just fun minor things. Uh, when the nobles and the rest of the family are doing the sing-along, they're doing singing Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> that is a, that's a big gag in Doctor Who. Um, the uh, Sycorax um, are in the, during the blooper reel of season two are, are singing it. Oh, um, nice. and, and they also did in the series two gag in the gag reel on uh, the gag reel for Torchwood. They're, they, they're also singing it. So Bohemian Rhapsody has been in the, in the background of who for a while. Um, <clears throat> minor things like uh, we like to talk about, uh, different kinds of music. Uh, when Rose does mention the death of the Torchwood team, mm. their theme song is playing in the background oh. while she's talking about it. So that's a variation. It's not the it's not the actual, but it's uh, but it's a, a little bit. Um, it was very very interesting to to hear that when I heard it the first time. Mm. Uh, but other than that, there's you know there's so much in it that i mean the, really the the biggest thing that i want to take away from that is that is it wasn't just rose telling donna how important she was but it was the doctor at the end before the bad wolf stuff obviously mm-hmm. uh, when when they were talking about how um how everything had changed for her than the way it normally does if this Time Beetle attaches it to um, themselves. And he says, you know, and he's kind of saying it in the, in, you know, the puppy dog voice or the baby voice. Oh, you're the most important person in the world. Uh Uh, But that is seemingly more realistic than we have thought. Uh So it was very, uh, that's a very interesting thing. Uh, minor error um, when Donna is entering the TARDIS the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, after she walks in, she walks out, she walks out, she walks back in. The way the camera was angled, you actually see the interior of the box mm. and not the interior of the TARDIS until she's actually inside. But the way the camera, it's really brief and you got to like almost pause it right at that moment uh-huh. to see it. Um, and the, um, one thing also we didn't mention was the fact that the adipose, obviously with London being destroyed, um, didn't happen in London. They changed it to happening in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I did enjoy, I like that part because I was like, oh, Americans can save us. Oh, no, 60 million are dead because the fat is, <laughs> the, they've, they've turned into fat and floating away. And so I mentioned that in that episode talking to Eric. I'm like, if they were looking for fat, they went to the wrong country. Yeah, well, little did I know that Russell had a plan. And uh, I mean, other things that happened that would they would they know uh, that the unit soldiers saying 
Uh, it must have happened too fast. He didn't have time to regenerate. I, that would, should be not necessarily the thing that everyone in the world knows. Yeah, right. That the doctor can just regenerate. I mean, they have. he has been around a while. He has different faces, but it just seemed weird. Um, and I think that was about it. There was, I mean, there was, um, like I said, in the very beginning, Russell T Davies created this, um, uh, and wanted it, you know, had this all planned out. And then Catherine Tate came back, uh, the mirrors in a circle to create time travel was a, uh, thing that happened in the second doctor episode, the evil of the Daleks, speaking of Daleks, mm. um, and the one thing that they wanted to do and they couldn't do is, again, when Donna walked into the TARDIS, uh, the second time you actually saw the interior of the TARDIS, they wanted to see the council room on fire. Mm. Uh, it just, But they couldn't do it. It was uh, way too, uh, <laughs> I'm sure too, uh, way too expensive, expensive to, do that, to do that gag. Oh, I have one more. I'm sorry. Um, when... Um, Donna has been fired at the same time that the hospital has disappeared and she's putting all of her stuff in the box and the big sound comes back and she says, let me guess the hospital's returned. Well, isn't that wizard? And that's such a British slang mm -hmm. that anybody over here would go, what the heck is she talking about? But yeah, that's a basically, uh, it's, um, an archaic form of early, 20, early 20th century British slang that means wonderful or splendid. Well, interesting. Yeah, I had to look that one up because it was that one. Like, <laughs> I thought it was referencing this? like, you know, uh, like Harry Potter or something. I thought that's what I thought. But I was like, I got to look that up. Wizards so I, and robots, you know. Yes. Wasn't that uh, there mentioned during the, the, the Martha Jones uh, series during series three? About wizards and robots. Oh, right. Something, yes. Something along something, those something, lines. Something but that's what I, I thought it was a, a, a reference to that. Yeah, no, it just, it was, and, um, uh, she could have just said spiffing. At least we would have uh -huh. understood that, but using wizard is really very weird, British. <laughs> yes, really British and really a weirder, a weirder uh, way of saying it. But uh, yeah, but that was, um, again, uh, you know, without the doctor, the whole world is in ruin. A mystery blonde tries to warn Donna of the un upcoming darkness. Now a simple refugee, Donna is the only one who can undo the damage. That was the synopsis of the episode. I love that. The TV guide blur. The TV, yeah, exactly. Back when TV guide was still a thing. I mean, yes. I, we began with a wow. I think ending it with a wow is appropriate because... This episode, man, and the, the emotional depth to which a single episode, a single moment can get. Uh, you know, last week it was all about the doctor's interaction with that thing and the just the the fear that it produced in him was just surprising and amazing. And then this week to basically see what would have happened had Donna not interacted with the doctor and vice versa. And, you know, we know the doctors had all these amazing adventures. So, you know, I just assumed, uh, you know, he would have just continued to adventure, but you know, it, it, it establishes Donna as this amazing force for change. Uh, and, you know, they both do good to each other. We see how much better Donna is after having met the doctor, uh, and now we get to see Donna again in the in 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 her horribleness, and we see how much better she gets the moment she insularly is in contact with the doctor. I mean, walking into the TARDIS, uh, so just amazing way of sort of displaying how much a person can change, how much one thing can make a difference uh and sometimes it's the simplest littlest of things uh so absolutely a great great episode uh, and not only that excited. but to go back to you know the the acting chops of <laughs> Catherine Tate um, 
of Catherine Tate. Wow, that's a time you had a name and I didn't. Um, <laughs> Sometimes hey, they stick. Uh, yeah. Were the acting chops of Catherine Tate, where she's literally uh, going through all the emotions and goes back and forth, and it's that it that is not an easy job to do. Uh, I mean, I thought she went through the ringer in Forest of the Dead. Um, I thought her acting in this episode was just outstanding because she then, was so grounded and so in the moment. It was amazing. And then to hear she had the flu at the same time, it's like it even blows my, right, my mind even right. more. To be acting like that, it's just amazing. Yes. But thank you so much, John, for once again coming out and uh, sharing uh, what, uh, you know, you keep saying, I really like this episode. I really like this episode, but I, I enjoyed this episode uh, equally uh, with you. I really, really loved it. Yes, this, this, like I said at the beginning, this is my favorite episode. And uh, similar to what um, last year we had. 13 episodes and a three-part series finale. This is season 11. And it feels like it's a first part, but yet it's not. But Mm. 13 episodes seems to be a feel of Doctor Who. Interesting, which is a very interesting number. Yes. Well, thank you also to you, dear listener, for making it to uh, our 56th episode of the podcast. Uh, going strong here a year later Uh, but we greatly appreciate the time you spend with us every week getting more and more into this amazing fandom that is Doctor Who Uh, so if you want to uh, participate in the discussion and go further into the episode uh, we've been having some great little uh, back and forths on firsttimelord.com you can leave a comment on this very episode or go back to previous episodes like I said uh, we've had some uh, fun in there so let's keep that going Uh, if you want to support the show we do have a merch store at firsttimelord.com where you can get t-shirts and all sorts of stuff and I keep teasing it but I promise there is new stuff on the way and will soon appear on that store as well Uh, you can also click on the Patreon link or or find Daniel Levain on Patreon and become a subscriber of the show that way and support us from that direction. But most importantly, if you like this show, uh, share it with somebody else. I am sure there is somebody else in your life who, like me, had never watched Doctor Who. And maybe this episode, maybe this podcast is the prompting they need to get into the fandom and get excited with you. Or share it with somebody that has been a Doctor Who fan forever like John and loves going back and revisiting the episodes and seeing them through the eyes of a novice like me. But with all of this said, we are out of time. I I have to face the music and head into this two-parter season finale that I'm sure will put me through the ringer. So I'm going to jump into my TARDIS. We'll see you next week, everybody. Welcome to First Time time Lord. Lord. (laughs) That threw me so bad. (laughs) That was last week's. I know. It wasn't a part of last week, so I wanted to jump in. (laughs) Ah, that got me. Okay, that's definitely going on the bloopers. There you go.